welcome to the Missouri Wind and Solar Podcast. I'm your host, Wes Shank, coming to you from our store in Seymour, Missouri. Each week with my co-host and Missouri Wind's General Manager, David McDerris, we discuss the latest on renewable energy. Check out our additional educational information on our website at mwands.com. Thank you for downloading this podcast, and please subscribe. Lucky enough today to have uh, Wyatt in with us today. You know, I'm always always stuck with David, or David stuck with me. I'm not <laughs> sure which way that goes, but uh, but it's always great when we get Wyatt out of the back and uh, <clears throat> get him out get him out of the cave and <laughs> see the light of day. <laughs> There's sun on my skin. What do I do? <laughs> it burns me. <laughs> we need to hurry. I got to get back to feed my bats. <laughs> Why do my eyes burn? <laughs> so, uh, what we're going to talk about today, uh, if you haven't already, you can you can uh, subscribe to. I'm not sure where where the exact list is. But I'll get. It, I'm going to get in trouble with Chris on you this. You get it. Through, you it, get it through Facebook. Okay, so it is on Facebook. And you can. Yeah. Subscribe to us okay. on Facebook. So you can check out our Facebook page. I probably should have figured that out before we started the podcast today. Huh? But we've got an, an ongoing program that we call Tech Tip Tuesday, which I had to practice saying that before we, we <laughs> clicked the record button to make sure I could get that out right without uh, having a felony occur by <laughs> violating FCC seven deadly words rules with, uh, wasn't it Car- Carlin? George yeah. Carlin. George Carlin. <laughs> George Carlin. <laughs> so Tech Tip Tuesday. I think that's just a misdemeanor now. <laughs> <laughs> what we're going to do is we're going to talk about some of the, the, the questions that have come up and have arisen out of that and some of the good points that have come out of it. Uh, and we wanted to get that in the podcast. If you haven't subscribed, go out and subscribe. Uh, and also, you know, you keep listening to the podcast. Uh, but we're going to talk with some of these today and... The first one we're going to discuss. The first one is going to be as far as your your wiring size again, and your resistance on your wiring size, and how's that create heat, which is the loss of energy. Okay. Uh, you know, so that's that's kind of what we're talking about uh, on the first one here. So, uh, so electricity as it flows through the wire is is subject subject to resistance. Uh, the the smaller the wire and the higher the amperage, uh, the more resistance it has. The more resistance it has, just like uh, uh, resistance, if you try to put your put anything through a smaller port than it, than the, the actual size of the object going through it, it's going to create friction resistance, which is going to then create heat. Right. Uh, kind of so, like so, kind of like a dump load. Right. Yeah. Correct. So I mean, if you if you have too low of a wire, and you're running too much amperage through it, you're going to create probably what's commonly known as a light bulb. <laughs> Correct. That's exactly gonna, right. That's exactly how a light bulb works too. It's a, the old light bulbs. Right. The old, Back the when old, we were growing up. Yeah. The, old, uh, <laughs> the incandescent light bulb was a filament strand that uh, was was exactly that reason. It, it created, uh, there was way more amperage coming through that thing than than, uh, than uh, it could hold and so it created heat, created light. And, and and while uh, it's a neat thing in a light bulb, it's a very bad thing. Very bad when we come to our solar and wind and, and wanting to produce good clean electricity really bad on controllers it can be very very detrimental to your actual wire itself too much heat uh, you know their wires only rated to a certain degree uh, and then you can actually have wire failure meltdown I mean which can then uh, if you come to bare wire then you can actually if it's on a 
combustible object, it can actually cause fires. I mean, so it's very, very, uh, very important that you uh, have the correct wire size. I mean, we went over that and. and other and, podcasts and stranded wire and stranded wire is what we typically would recommend uh, on on ninety nine percent of our applications. It would be stranded wire, you know. So what we're doing and it's interesting. I always thought it was interesting is that the uh, how, how common would you say is it? But it's interesting to me that one of the wires that I know we move through a lot is a is a welding. Is a, is a wire that's rated for welding. Right. It's, it, a, it's, it's a welding cable, right? It's called I mean. welding cable, yeah. And uh, Wyatt can explain that a little bit more. What, and the reason why we use welding cable uh, versus just a regular, like a seven-strand wire. I mean, I'll let Wyatt tell you about a little bit about that. Welding cable, is it's got a lot of fine strands in it, which helps make it flexible. Uh, the jacketing on it can take a lot of heat, obviously, if you're welding and throwing sparks everywhere. It can handle the amperage better. How many how many strands is it? Because I've looked at those and that thing is yeah. packed in there. Couple hundred, <sighs> couple hundred strands, you know. I think some even go up to three hundred, you know, four hundred. Yeah, yeah. Our bigger four watt cable will probably have four four to five hundred. I mean, there is a lot of strands. And each one of them little strands can actually cool off better because it's not like a solid piece of a wire. Right. You know? Right. That's a, that's a great point because when you when you take a small piece of wire. And let's just say you get it to 200 degrees, and then you take take the heat source away from it. Well, there's really very little to cool down. There's very little in, right. internal temperature to cool down. Take that with a with a take that with a piece of meat. You cook a big piece of right. meat. There's more you know, surface area to cool right. off. Right. You know the the surface area may be cool. You cut it in the middle, and you're like, oh man, that's still hot. You know. Whereas you take a real thin cut piece of meat, you cut in the now the it's cool. It's it's cool as the outside is very very quickly. Uh, yeah. So that's kind of that's kind of the uh, the same type of deal in, in wire. You know, uh, that's a great point that, that Wyatt just made. So. Yeah, and the most common problem I see with uh, too small a wire is your power inverter thinks your voltage is uh, there's a voltage drop, so it asks for a big load and and it thinks your batteries are dead yep. and it shuts down. Yep. Yeah, and then we and we have a lot of a lot of issue with that. My inverter's not running, and so that would be one tip that we would tell you. You know, if your inverter's not running, what you think that it should run, that is rated to run, you need to look at your cable size that's going to that inverter, because more than likely it's just not being able to draw the voltage and the power needed through the cabling into the inverter. The inverter is capable of doing it, but you're not you're not allowing it to get the power out of the the power that it needs from the batteries because you've You've choked it down through the wire sizing, so that's very crucial, very very crucial. Choking bad. Choking, <laughs> choking's bad. So. Okay, so the next one I know we got on list, and, and I'm interested. This is interesting. I'm curious what the context was, because we we're talking about the heating and cooling devices, like a like a space heater or an AC unit, um, having a, a one third duty cycle. Oh, so, okay. So tell me about. So the one-third duty cycle, okay, so let's just say you have, uh, uh, we're sitting here in the room and uh, there's a, uh, a mini-split air conditioning unit in this, and, and heating unit in this facility that we're in. And this mini-split, you know, it's a, it's a uh, programmed to a temperature. On normal, that thing would say use 1,000 watts for every hour that it ran. We're, we're going to make up a number on it, but 1,000 watts for every hour that it ran while it was cooling. But the deal is it's not going to run for a full hour on most occasions. It's going to run for five minutes. It's going to get it down to the temperature that was desired. 
and it's going to turn off and it may turn off for 10 minutes and then it may turn back on for five minutes and so on and so forth goes the day if you're wanting 75 degrees as an internal temperature and then all of a sudden the ambient temperature outside goes below 75 degrees you might not run any at night vice versa you might might run uh, if it's summertime or wintertime and it's cold outside and the night comes on and it may be exactly reverse in the heating but you're just really so when we when we figure a system and we're looking at electric usage we want to think that most heating and cooling units are going to run on average around eight hours a day on actually run time that they're actually producing heat or producing cooling uh, so that a duty cycle would be literally when is it running when is it in duty when is it on duty working so, so when you when you get a an air conditioning unit and you go to Lowe's or you go to Home Depot and you buy it and it has the you know the energy star rating and it says this unit uses uh, what's a what's a normal number Oh, you know, let's just say right. It's going to say that it uses uh, ten. Maybe it says it uses uh, ten amps of power at 120 volts. Okay. Uh, so that's so, using 1,200 watts. Is what we're so doing. So, is that are, are they taking that into consideration? No, the, no. They are telling you exactly what it uses in a one-hour period. Okay. Uh, and and remember again, they're telling you electricity is measured in in, in amp hours or or out kilowatt hours. So you're basic, we're basing that off an hour. It's using 1,200 watts instantaneously when you turn it on, but we only measure that over an hour period. How long did it use 1,200 watts? And we use it over an hour. I mean, so if you use it for 60 minutes, you use 1,200 watts of power, but you have to have an inverter member that can do 1,200 watts instantaneously. So that's another, that's another little deal too. So when somebody, because that, that's kind of hard to say, they say, oh, well, if it only uses a third of the time and it uses 3,000 watts when it's, then I only need a 1,000 watt inverter. But that's not the case. You need a 3,000 watt inverter, but it's only going to be on for a third of the time. Okay. Next one, interesting too. Well, it's changing gears. I, I, like, I like this one where we're just bouncing yeah. all over it. This is like just a normal chat though. If your electric bill is high, check your water heater. I'll defer to Wyatt on that one. <laughs> Your water heater element could be um, shorted out or burned. Water heaters fill up with sediment in the bottom, you know, especially in the especially in the Ozarks. In the Ozarks, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we create rocks in ours, yeah. <laughs> but uh, if it fill if the sediment fills up to the water heating element, um, the water heating element's not heating the water; it's it's heating the sediment, and uh, it'll just run for a very long time. Or if your water heating element in there is limed over has a hard time transferring the heat to the water and it'll run for a long time so yeah interesting okay yeah, yeah. and and on that what, what i was saying there so if your water heating if your your heating bill's high and you can't figure out i'm not doing anything different that's that's the number one couple to go look into immediately why is my heating bill? i'm not doing anything different the house is still as cool as it was and it's still yeah as i was gonna say the big thing is everything. it's not july and it's all of a sudden 140 right degrees right now. you know what i mean it's just a normal <laughs> You know, and all of, a sudden, yeah. all of a sudden it's it's higher, maybe because when it's heating the water and the, and the water gets to prescribed degrees, say 140 degrees, then the element kicks off. The thermostat says, okay, hot enough, kick off. But when it's in sediment, it will never be able to, as soon as it kicks off, it will, that sediment will cool down almost instantaneously. Just the heat will go out of it and it'll immediately say, I need power back again. And so it'll kick right back on. So your hot water heater is just 
constantly dumping power. And it's 40, remember, four, typically a 40 gallon water heater is a 4,500 watt element. 4,500 watts is what they're going to use per hour. So if that thing's going to run an extra five hours a day, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. You've that's used 20 kilowatts extra a day now in electricity times 30. So that's, I mean, that's literally almost probably $60 more on your bill per month. So, okay. This one, and the next one I really like because I particularly batteries in a bank all need to be the same size and age. The sizes, I think most people would understand the size. The age is, is really, because I know this is some of the stuff we've learned, or I've learned. Sorry, you guys already knew it, but you've taught me. The, the age has a big. <laughs> well, as a battery ages, it, uh, it loses its capacity. And, and the main reason it does that is because the plates get. Uh, sulfation. Sulfation, <laughs> yeah. The sulfation reduces the capacity of the battery. So if its capacity is low, it's going to suck off the other batteries in that bank. So it'll, it'll be essentially draining the other batteries in that bank. Let me ask you this. I know we talked about, the, we, I know we sell a desulfator. Right. Um, if, you had, if you had different aged batteries, but you desulfated them all, is there still, you, what's your, what are your odds there? Is it still? It's a better option. It's still not the best option. It's a better option to do that than, than just putting two mismatched batteries together and with doing nothing on them. Same way with the pond aeration kit, it's better to have some aeration than none. Yeah. So even if it's right. not all you need, some's better than none. Same way in the in the batteries. So if you desulfate the batteries and get them back to full state of charge, uh, and that's one thing that we we here can't stress enough. When a battery comes to you, even though it's brand new from our shelf, and the batteries, we get them in fairly new right off of the plant, a person needs to put them on a charger and get them, make sure that they are top to the top level before ever turning on the inverter to pull any power from away from that battery. They need yeah. to make sure, because if they don't, what happens is, is it gets set in and sulfation immediately starts happening on it because they draw it too far down because it's not got the capacity in there and so it'll go too far down and, and so they prematurely start the sulfation cycle because sulfation starts when you discharge batteries too far. Uh, when you discharge a battery too far, sulfation really increases at that point. And then it becomes a vicious dog chasing its tail circle. I mean, it never stops. I mean, it just, uh, until you pull them out, go get them desulfated, you know, through either either by buying a desulfator charger or taking them to a, uh, a battery maintenance uh, facility and having them done. You know that's that's one thing you can do to fix it, uh, but it's still that it's not the optimal deal to do that. Uh, and I think that was a question later on down the line: is desulfating your batteries can increase their life, and it will. We recommend if your batteries are more than than two years old, we do not recommend adding batteries to that system. At that point, you should you should split the system and do two different systems with new batteries and 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 lift your old batteries. Do whatever they can, but do not put those two together because all you're going to do is bring those brand new batteries to the lifespan of about a two-year-old battery, and so that that, that you know that's just not a that's not that's not optimal for us nor the consumer. And so that kind of plays this whole conversation plays into the next point that we've got on there is not letting your batteries sit around for more than six months. Uh, Correct. Without a charge. That's right. I mean, a, ba a battery sitting around just like just like Wyatt would would say here. A uh, battery that's sitting around, I mean, 
it starts uh, it starts losing some of its uh, capacity just by setting there. And then again, if you if you let it set for more than six months without charge, first thing you need to do is just go get it desulfated uh, because it's setting there. It's it's uh, things start forming on the plates, sulfation starts forming back on the plates. You just want to go get yeah. it maintained right off the the, the get go. Uh, but you really want to when you buy a battery, you want to be pretty quick to get that battery in use. I mean, that's why battery companies will definitely have the little markers on there and the and the, and the date that they've made the battery uh, because they want to know because if that battery set around for a year, they may go back to that retailer and say, hey, you can't let batteries sit here. You have to get those changed out. You have got to get those sold first in, first I mean, you got you got to get them out. I mean, Stay on this subject. I'm going to skip over a question and get to the next one. Um, desulfating your batteries multiple times a year can increase the lifespan. Oh yes, up to 30%. So if you don't have a power pulse, hint, hint, buy a power pulse. Uh, from if you the don't, beginning if you can. Right, from the beginning. If you don't have a power pulse on your system, yeah. then you need to have a, uh, we sell it also as well, the same people <laughs> make power pulse, make a, a charger desulfator. Put those batteries on a desulfator uh, charging system and, and do it that way. It's cheaper and it's more economic. I mean, it's, it's more economical. It's easier. Uh, you don't have to remember anything by just putting the power pulse on it to begin with. And that keeps that desulfate, desulfation going 24 seven. I mean, it, it, it's just constantly desulfating. So the you can, you can desulfate while you're using it? Oh yes. Yes. The power pulse, really? the power pulse technology does that. It's, it's constantly desulfating. It. Uh, and with, actually with the, uh, with the charger, right. yeah. <laughs> actually, with the charger we have too, is most of your battery banks you're going to have 12 volt sections of the bank. You can clip that too, right. charge right. that section without disconnecting anything, and then move it over to the next section, charge that. Right. It charges and desulfates at the same time. Right. That's, so what? What does that? What does that cost? I'm. I'm uh, a 12 volt a 12 volt desulfator starts at 45 and they go up to 58 I think for the 48 volt system so they, they there's a 12 of a 24 and a 48 depending on what system you have and then the charger is what the charger is 99 dollars 99.99 and it's uh it's XP 100 I think is the number so 150 bucks for the yeah put, for, the, put a deal together to, oh yes to constantly I mean, keep your batteries constantly desulfated constantly yeah. and then we also have another little unit out there and this is for Man, the, that's a, yeah, this is for the lawnmower guys because we're in lawnmowing season here, guys. Uh, and if you're like me, there's nothing worse. I don't like mowing the grass to begin with. Uh, there's nothing worse to go out and crank your your uh, battery on your lawnmower and it click, click, click. Yeah. Now I've got to go jump it, start the mower. I didn't want to mow anyway. And I had to do another process, and so we sell a little. It's a little solar panel and desulfator charger. That's all in one deal, uh, and you can mount it right on the outside of your garage. Run the cables right through into the, the back, back of the battery, right, and it's just a very, very minimal charge. But that way, when you go to mow, you just unhook the battery cables away. So fired you, up. Can you could you do that over overwintering it? Overwinter, anytime. So the battery still be good because it because it's got a it's got a, a charge controller in it as well. So it's not going to let it overcharge to begin with. Yeah. So it is a very, very, and, and that doesn't just go on lawnmowers. That could be used on vehicles, maybe. That could be used on boats that maybe well, you Anything that you're going to have. Anything that you're just yeah. going to have a 12-volt uh, battery in that you think, man, I, I just don't use it very often. But you never think, I'm going to have to charge it up because I'm going to use that three days from now. And then you, you get in it and it doesn't start. And 
that's just it's very frustrating deal uh, and this is a great great product to eradicate that problem so all right so this is a, a great jump I, I love these how they're jumping all over put a 90 degree bend in your wind turbine or solar panel panel wire because lightning doesn't like to turn corners i, I love that yeah. <laughs> so lightning is a lot of power if it happens to grab a hold of your solar or wind wire it's not going to want to turn that corner when it gets to it it's going to jump out want to jump out of there right into the earth where it wants to be at pretty much that simple really i mean yeah. that's just this is interesting that, yeah so you're going to keep it as much as possible so like our our the what's the 65 foot tower right is that right. right so we do have a bend in it yeah. right so if lightning hit it it's going to run down to the end of that that 90 degree and, and hopefully ground to earth which is what it wants to do yeah instead of making that right turn and coming in and blowing all the stuff off the wall right right <laughs> i mean matter of fact yeah. when you're grounding stuff you want to try to avoid those bends you want to have nice curves you know you're running a ground wire yeah if you're running a until ground it gets down to the ground for your home yeah. right yeah you know you'd want to you'd want to make sure that it it can get there easily and not jump out some other place. You know what I mean? You want it to, right. You want it to <laughs> travel as easy as possible down into the ground and get, get away, you know, get that out of your, you're get looking, that out of your You're looking at me system. like, come on, knucklehead. No, you know, this, I, I no, never knew that. This is, uh, this is a whole of news to me. Yeah. I mean, so, I know I've done the grounding rods before and everything. And right, was, right. But I didn't realize that angles like that caused, right. caused issues. I mean, that's, yeah. that's angles. Uh, okay, the last one we've got is using separate charge controllers for wind and solar on the same battery. Talk about the efficiencies on that. Well, I mean, you get, so so there's numerous charge controllers on the market and there's uh, for wind and for solar and or a combination of both, wind and solar. Uh, and we have uh, many different varieties here to choose from, you know, that are, that are the, the wind and solar hybrid or just the wind only or the, or the or the solar only. We recommend, I especially recommend it, to break up your solar from your wind if it's feasible and if you're on a larger system for two reasons. One, if, you're, if your controller goes down on your wind, your solar is still up and, up and operational. An MPPT controller by, is by far the best controller on the market for getting the most efficiency from your panels uh, and into your battery bank and, and optimizing your battery bank's life as well. Uh, so I, I try to lean people towards the MPPT side for the solar production. Uh, and then on the wind production, we use a, uh, either a three-stage charger or a bulk charger, uh, either by ones we design or the ones we, that we sell that other people manufacture. Uh, we do a great job of manufacturing our own here. So we recommend, especially on a relay-based controllers, maybe separating those two out so we can find the culprit because now we, if somebody has a problem with our controller and they have wind and solar coming into that at the same time, now we have two different sources giving us power and now we've got to go find which one is causing the problem with the controller. Was it the solar doing that? Was it the wind? It's a lot harder for us to, to help a customer figure out what the solution is to why their controller is not acting the way it's supposed to. By, by separating those two, there again, it gives you the, the peace of mind that you can still be producing energy when one's down, which if you're off-grid is a huge deal because you're relying on something to give you yeah. power. <laughs> uh, you know, if you're, in a, if you're in, a, in a garage situation like I may be, where you're just using lights, really don't need the lights, uh, it's not something that you're using every day, 
then that's the time to go hybrid system. Uh, but if I'm going somewhere in a home and I'm off grid, then I want two systems that I can keep running with this one. As and I can go to the same battery bank with that. By the way, I'm not I'm not trying to split systems up, two different inverters or anything of that nature. I'm going to the same battery bank and and just giving those two controllers the same parameters to work in. And uh, and it just can really help out. It can give longevity to your controller as well uh, instead of overworking that relay because there was a lot of wind and a lot of sun that day and so the the controller may become overworked given a premature uh, relay failure or something all right well that's that's through our tech tip tuesday list Good you got anything else we want to add I mean, this is great i mean again i would tell our listening audience if you haven't signed up go to our facebook page and sign up for it yeah guys we got anything else we Need to. Well, I, the only thing I would say is on the Tech Tip Tuesdays, we're always looking for for ideas to, yeah, to put out exactly. on Same Tech things. Tip Tuesday. You can post as us well. on Facebook or you can email us radio at m1s.com. Right. Uh, because we're always looking for that. We're always looking for those. Uh, and So maybe that question's out there that, that you need answered. We'll answer it. Uh, we'll figure it out. That's right. We'll get an answer to you. That's right. We'll put White in the cave and tell him don't come out until the answer is complete. So. I'll, I'll get my abacus out and figure it out. <laughs> well, so. All right, gentlemen. Uh, thank you both for being here. Well, not you, Darius, because you're in here with me anyway. So you're always in here. But thank, all right. you, thank you, White, for coming out of the cave today. Uh, as always, we appreciate you guys being with us, and uh, we look forward to bringing you more podcasts in the near future. So have a great week, and don't forget, email us at radio at m1s.com. Thank you for downloading and listening to the podcast today. If you have a question that you'd like to hear us discuss on the podcast, email us at radio at mwands.com. You can follow us on our website, m1s.com, or subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. Check out our store at m1s.com and buy some stuff. Buying stuff allows us to continue to produce our educational broadcasts, like our podcasts and YouTube videos. And most importantly, it keeps Lucy's doggy chicken treats coming. Thanks again.